The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome, everybody, to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I am your host today without my co-host, Ace, because we had some scheduling conflicts, but he is here watching, I'm sure. I have a really, really, really important special um, interview today with none other than Dan Horde, the voice of the Bengals. Dan, how are you doing this evening? Zim, I'm doing great. I'd be doing a little bit better had the Bengals taken care of business last week in New Jersey, but hey. Still in great position. Let's beat the Browns this week. Let's be six and three with a three and zero record in the North going into the bye. Yes, sir. So, like that, I guess that's one of my questions. I want to get you to kind of fan out because, for the most part, you're super, super professional. You're always, you know, you got to kind of keep this even keel on everything that you do. Do losses like that kind of linger into your life and kind of like make you a little, you know, like for me, it it, it carries over for the next couple of days. I'm not really the same. One hundred percent. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I love my job. So when you get into what I do doing play by play of sporting events, a lot of people aspire to doing it on ESPN or CBS, being Jim Nance or Mike Tirico or Al Michaels. And I get that. That would be awesome. And part of me would love to do that as well. But I love having an emotional stake in the outcome. So being the voice of the Bengals and the UC Bearcats, I genuinely care about whether they win or lose. I think about it all week going up to the game. I think about it for several days after the game. So that is really one of the things that makes me feel so lucky. I have this emotional attachment to both of the teams that I broadcast. I think that's super authentic. Like for me and and I, and I would say for Ace too, it's like people I think gravitate to what they can kind of believe in. Some of the, not to like call anybody out, but some of the people that have kind of of come and gone and everything like that, they weren't as invested. And I think it shows in the broadcast, but I guess one of my main questions that I would have for you is like when you're doing, 
you know, I don't know if you've ever heard my play by play. It's pretty crazy. I don't have yeah. the voice. I don't have the voice you have. It's pretty crazy. But I will say this. Do you ever find yourself in some of these moments of like, uh, where you just want to just break out of it and say what you really, really want to feel and what stops you from doing that? Well, I want to hold on to my job. That's the number one thing okay. that, uh, that's, <laughs> that's the number one thing that, that tempers my emotions sometimes, right. you know, occasionally during the commercial breaks, I might vent, but Hey, I understand what my job is right. and I'm trying to be as professional as at all times throughout, whether that's a good moment or a bad moment. Obviously we scream and get excited when great things happen for the Bengals, as I think we should, we're broadcasting Bengals games for Bengals fans, but I do think I have a responsibility to try to maintain some level of professionalism throughout. Right, right. I, I was reading one of the comments too. And as you're talking too, I'm just like, he's got the voice on. He's like, he's not taking it off. You're wearing the voice like a shirt. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, I, you know, like everybody isn't born with that. At what age, I guess, did you know? Like, not even just the voice. When did you believe that you were going to do this? Honestly, my earliest memories are of wanting to be a sports announcer. I, I joke that when the doctor took me out of my mother's womb and slapped <laughs> me on the backside, I said, that's 15 yards for unnecessary roughness. But I don't know why it was my dream. I am not the son of a broadcaster. I, I didn't have any connections to the industry. But when I was young, I admired the broadcasters as much as I admired the athletes. So I grew up near Buffalo. I was a huge Buffalo Bills fan. O.J. Simpson was my childhood hero as an athlete. But just as much as I loved O.J. when he played for the Bills, I really idolized their longtime broadcaster, Van Miller, who's the only local radio play-by-play -play announcer in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He did the Bills games for 40 years. He was unbelievably good. And... He was everywhere if you were a kid growing up when I did in, in the Buffalo area because he was on TV doing the sports at 6 and 11. He did the Bills. He did the Buffalo Braves, or they existed in the 1970s. So I just really idolized Van Miller. And, hey, I'm so fortunate that this worked out because, honestly, I am not qualified to do anything else. <laughs> so had my dream of becoming a sports broadcaster not come true, I would be the biggest, most worthless loser on the face of the earth. <laughs> I doubt that. Like me hearing, even I was listening to the Bengals Booth podcast today. If you guys haven't checked it out, I listen to the Bengals Booth podcast twice a week. Every I've never missed an episode, but if you haven't listened to this before, please make sure you do so. But, you know, Dave Lapham speaks very highly of you on your intelligence. So I, I like to think that you would you would have probably figured out something else. From, a, you know, like even just your last name, I've always thought about this. I'm really big on like family. I'm big on last names and different things like that. Is there an impact that the Horde name has in the world that we should all know? Because when I hear your name, I think of Hoarder or different things like that. But you seem so organized. Do you get on people's nerve for being organized? Like all of your khakis are right here. All of your shirts are right here. You don't leave anything on the counter. Is that you? That is not me. No, Whoa. if I uh, if I were to take my screen around in this family room, you would see piles of of kids stuff that uh, my son Sam has uh, accumulated in the family room over the years. Uh, I am mostly Swedish. The name Horde is English. There's a little bit of English in my bloodline, but most of my relatives were Swedish where I grew up south of Buffalo in Jamestown, New York. When I was a kid, I don't know if this is still true. We had the highest population of Swedes per capita in the United States. So everybody that I uh, grew up around 
uh, in Jamestown, New York, was basically Swedish. And everybody knew the hordes. <laughs> um, for me, uh, I guess I was talking about, I kind of got a little off too, because um, I was thinking about earlier too with the Bengals Boo podcast. I, I, want, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but I asked some questions um, about, you know, one of my questions was about the Bengals interior offensive line going into the trade deadline. Now, you made up a good point, I think, at the end of the show, too, and I think everybody needs to hear this. In the last, I believe, six games, the Bengals have only allowed 10 sacks. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. So, in the last, so I guess going into the trade line, I mean, trade deadline, did you have any thoughts that the Bengals might do something different than what we had seen? I think it hadn't been since 1991 or something like they executed a trade or something for the deadline. Did you have any expectations going into it? And if so, what were you expecting? I didn't anticipate there would be any trades at the trade deadline just because the franchise history suggests that that's not something they really look to do. I mean, they've done it a couple of times during the years that I've been the broadcaster, but in both cases, it was when they were looking to move somebody, not when they were looking to get somebody. So they moved Carlos Dunlap at the deadline last year because he wanted out and they wanted him out. They moved Carson Palmer in 2011 because he wanted out yeah. and they had the opportunity to get two high draft picks. There was really nobody that fit that description this year. So I did not anticipate a trade, but I was happy to see today that they picked up Vernon Hargraves, former first round draft pick. Hopefully, you know, they can unlock his potential. I know he's had a roller coaster ride of an NFL career, but if you had said to me prior to the trade deadline, what position would you look to shore up in a trade? I would have said corner because I think you always need corners. They right. get hurt. You're already playing without Trey Waynes. Right. You know, as I, as I always say, they're little guys that tackle big guys. And when you have that math, they get hurt. So knock on wood, that doesn't happen between now and the end of the year. But history suggests it probably will. So picking up a guy like Hargraves hopefully is a great move. Yeah, I mean, you think about that, too, and you think about they picked up Trey Flowers not too long ago. We're picking up starters that are now on, on our bench currently right now. So depth is something that we are not lacking at the position. For me personally, I always make this argument on our show on Orange is the New Black with my man Ace here. Sorry, guys, if you missed it, Ace couldn't be here this evening. But one of the things I say is, like, when I trace Super Bowl teams, they have elite pass rushers and more than one, like yeah. three three minimum. And I know that before the trade deadline, it probably would have been tough to get, like, an elite one. But I guess my expectations weren't that high. But um, how do you feel about, I guess, like, the pass rush? Because I got into a – you know, me, I'm, I'm just a regular guy. I, just, I get to argue with people on Twitter and stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't get to argue. So I was arguing with a guy earlier on Twitter, and he was like – the Browns defensive line is going to cause this offense line so many problems. This is a Bengals fan. And I'm saying our defensive line is going to cause problems too for like any team. And to me, it's one of the strengths of the team. They played great so far. I mean, I agree with you that they don't have great depth in terms of edge rushers, uh, particularly if Trey Hendrickson were to go down. Please, Lord, don't let that happen. Uh, but certainly the guys that are getting most of the snaps right now have been playing great and have been getting plenty of pressure on the quarterback. They already have more sacks this year than they had all of last year. Hendrickson is basically averaging a sack per game. Sam Hubbard has four. B.J. Hill has three. So the pass rush has been good, but, but you are right with your initial comment. If some of the guys I just mentioned were to go down, 
the backups don't necessarily have great pedigrees as pass rushers. When we when we go into this game, um, though, that's one of my main concerns, I guess, is I, I think I, I mean, let me ask you this, then. What is your main concern? Because I think a lot of this is people are getting really, really excited. I found a new love, and that is really, really disliking the Cleveland Browns. I don't know how <laughs> long you've been disliking the Cleveland Browns. I woke up every day of my life thinking everybody that didn't like me was a Steelers fan. This year they come in super cocky. They irritate me. They get on my nerves every day of my life. What do you think it's going to take for us to knock the Browns off? In in a two-part question, what is your favorite team to dislike? Well, the Steelers, and it's not even close. My hatred for the Steelers is above and beyond anybody else in the league tenfold. But, But think about why is that the case? Because they have what I want. They have Super Bowl rings and a bunch of them. Exactly. Six of them. So in terms of the Cleveland Browns, I didn't hate them until they got good again. And right. then I hated them. Right. So since Baker Mayfield has been there and they're five and one against the Bengals with him as the starter, now I hate the Browns too. And of course, you know, the Ravens, I, I dislike them because they've been so good for so long. But having said that, where the Ravens are concerned, I have a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for Baltimore because John Harbaugh was a Cincinnati assistant coach early in my years in Cincinnati under Rick Minter. Became pretty friendly with him. In fact, I recommended him to become the head coach at UC. He interviewed for the job twice, didn't get it either time. Obviously, things have worked out well for him, and and right now they're working out really well for UC. So I have a little bit of a soft spot for Baltimore because of him. Uh, But in terms of what it's going to take to beat Cleveland this week, it all starts with stopping that running game. They're number one in the NFL in running the ball. Nick Chubb is back. And they're number one in yards per game and yards per attempt. So it's it's volume and it's efficiency. And when they've got that going, then those Baker Mayfield rollouts and the boots and everything he does becomes so much more effective. I do think with his shoulder injury, the Browns are a little less reluctant to have him do some of that stuff that was so effective against the Bengals last right. year. He hardly did any of that last week. Now, right. some of that might be the Steelers' pass rush. I don't know. I guess we'll find out this week. But to get back to the original point, it all begins with slowing down the running game. You're not going to stop them, but can you hold them to about 100 yards instead of 160? That'll be a huge key to winning the game. Right. Yeah, I watched some of the um, the special you did earlier today with uh, Jeff Hobson and uh, Lapham, too. So if you guys haven't checked that out, please make sure you check that out. That's on Bengals.com. Um three different perspectives on how to how to how to tackle this beast and I agree with all three of them I, I think if you ever get yourself in a situation where you're just like you know what I hate the Steelers so much and the Browns so much just send the information my way I could be like a translator for you and just <laughs> walk around and just spew all this crap that I spew all at, at all of our opposition every single day of our lives so if you ever have any trouble with that I'm your man I can hook you up with that Well, I don't know if you've ever noticed this over the years, but I almost always refer to the Pittsburgh Steelers as the dreaded, hated, despised, (laughs) but respected Pittsburgh Steelers. That's how I feel about them. Like I said, they have what we want. If they sucked, we wouldn't care. Right. But but unfortunately, they haven't sucked for since Mike Tomlin's been there, certainly. I don't think they'll ever have a losing season. I, I just think I think like I it. think they're so committed to. I mean, you see them give up a first round pick just to go get Minka or anything. They'll do anything 
just to stay afloat and never go into that beyond under. I, I feel like Mike Tomlin is the most underrated coach in all of football. I've always said that as far as like motivation wise and just pure winning. Like I think from a scheme uh, drawing up plays and stuff, he's probably not elite at that. Right. But he's a master motivator and guys that we've had, he's got them to perform at a different level that I've never seen. Um, you, you talked about the Steelers. Uh, one, one way that you always mentioned um, that you referred to them. Ace had a really good question. He wanted to ask me this. He said, when did you know that you had the signature call for AJ Green? Like, how did you come about that? Was that like just something that happened on the spot? Or tell us the story on the on the AJ Green call for referring to, for referring to him as Adriel Jeremiah Green. Yes. Right. So which, it's actually, which I would never do, but I guess you do. Like, I, I mean, I, I did it me. maybe too much. After a while, I kind of stopped doing it, or at least doing it less, but. When I was hired by the Bengals in 2011, I was still a broadcaster for the Pawtucket Red Sox at that point. I was doing minor league baseball. So uh, I got the job in May of 2011, and I, I didn't want to leave my minor league baseball team in the lurch. So I told my boss I would finish out the season. I would have to leave for a couple of weekends to do preseason games, but the minor league season basically ended at the beginning of September and it would, it would work out. Okay. So I was not able to go to training camp in 2011. I was reading as much as I could about the Bengals and watching the website and talking to people, but I couldn't go watch them practice. So the first preseason game that year was a road game in Detroit. I flew from Providence, which is close to Pawtucket to Cincinnati meet the team in Cincinnati. Now I'm going to go on the team plane to Detroit. And I haven't met any of the new, well, really anybody on the team at that point. So that was Andy's draft year and AJ's draft year. And like I said, I haven't met these guys. I haven't been at practice. So as we're gathering around, getting ready to go on the buses to the airport, I see AJ kind of standing off to the side. And I figured, hey, this is a good opportunity just to stick out my hand. I'm Dan Horde. I'm the new broadcaster. Looking forward to meeting you and, and seeing you play and so forth. So I did that. And we're making a little small talk. And I, I had not looked up what AJ stood for. So I just asked him, what's AJ stand for? And he said, Adriel Jeremiah. And when I heard that name, I thought that it sounded biblical. Right. It just had a it does. <laughs> special ring to it. So there was just that kernel of thought in my mind at that point that, huh, at some point, it'll be fun to use his whole name. And then I did it and people seemed to like it. And then I did it some more. So that's the origin story for using Adriel Jeremiah Green. Wow. AJ is one of the greatest human beings I've ever met in my life. You, uh, We were talking off air about me just getting married not too long ago. You know, one of the first people that told me congratulations was AJ Green. Like, I I, I always tell people, like, I don't care what AJ Green does. <laughs> He's like like yeah. a hero like a hero to me, and I'll be waiting for a statue or something to come. My son is five years old. He's the only player he knows. He thinks yeah. everybody's AJ Green. Anybody scores, <laughs> AJ Green scored. Um, and Ace had another really, really good question, too. He, um, he went back to... Um, our Civil War series, because uh, lately it's kind of come up a little bit more because of um, the success of Jamar Chase, right? But he said, uh, as a carrying card member originally of Team yes. Sewell, of Team Sewell, um, how does it feel 
to have Jamar Chase and the Bengals offense line um, play together. How Jamar and the Bengals offense line? Oh, how 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 does it feel now? I guess to see their success. It feels fantastic. <laughs> I have never been happier to be wrong than being a card-carrying member of Team Sewell as opposed to Team Chase. Now, even back then, I think a lot of us, whether whichever side of the Civil War you were on, would have been okay with the other side. Not everybody, right. maybe not right. you, but I think a lot of no, people are like, what? hey. What? I would have. I would have. Like, if okay. he would have been, been out there pancaking and laying people out, <laughs> man, I'd be. Listen, when you put on orange and black, I completely. Well, there you go. There you go. But, but but my position going into the draft was I prefer Sewell, but I see the argument for Chase. And if they go with Chase, I'm fine with that. And then the other thing that I tell people all the time, the draft does not end after round one. So right. it's not like they ignored the offensive line. They used their second round pick on Jackson Carmen, who had been the starting left tackle for the previous two years at Clemson. He's starting as a rookie at right guard. They used their free agent dollars to bring in Riley Reef, a big upgrade from Bobby Hart. So they got it right. I mean, the moves that they've made between the draft and free agency the last two years, their track record of success in those two areas for the last two seasons is as good as anybody in the NFL. Yes, sir. Do you ever get yourself in situations where I know I walk into people every day and they say, ah, they got to get that line together. Do you ever like, you know, like, you know, I guess you're so involved with the team, right? Not just the Bengals, also the Bearcats, but do you ever get in these conversations that I get into where I'm just meeting random people that on the internet we just call casuals, right? They just say anything. But do you ever get yourself in a situation where you have to correct someone and say, oh, no, you know, he's, they've only allowed 10 sacks in the last, you know, do you ever get yourself in that? Or do you just find, you know, you just say, hey, I'll, I'll let it go and let it play out? It depends. <clears throat> Excuse me. It depends how far off the market is. And if I'm offended by what they're saying. Right. So if it's something that I know is just way, way off and unfair to the Bengals, then I might chime in. Otherwise, I'm probably likely just to let it go and avoid what, you know, what often winds up being a half hour conversation that I don't really have time for. Have you ever been on Facebook Bengals? Uh, no, not that specific one. No, I have not. That's some rough stuff on there. You go on there, <laughs> I think every single thing, you, I don't think you'll think that anybody actually watches a game. I, I, I think if I was in your position, because it's your job, it's your livelihood, it's almost all offensive to me. Like, it, like for me, this is one thing I want. I wanted to ask you, because we're getting closer to, you know, the end of this. This is, a, this is amazing. But I, I wanted to say this. One thing people always tell me about, they're like, why are you always pointing out what the Bengals do really, really good? Or why do you always want to shout out? Or like, that's what I do all day, right? And one of the perspectives that I have is that there are a lot of players that sometimes they correct me. You know, like on Instagram, I have like more people that watch me on there and a lot of players follow me. The one beauty of Instagram story is you get to see who's who's seen what you posted, right? So a lot of players follow me. So I always tell people that one of my jobs is to put energy out there that's always like uh, authentic and is real, the real numbers, the real truth. And at the same time, it's going to have bravado in it because I want that same energy to carry because the players are now seeing it. They're all seeing it. So imagine if I come on and I said, Joe Burrow's going to get killed on Sunday. Then that little bit of creep of doubt might creep into their head. I feel like that's what I bring to the Bengals community. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like is the main reason 
why you do this now that you're this you're, you're you're 10 years now into Bengals, you know, Bengals.com, Bengals, you know, everything. Like, what is your main desire beyond just the paycheck, right? Yeah, it gets back to what I was saying earlier in our conversation. I love being the voice of a specific team. If I was working for ESPN and I was doing a college game every Saturday between two teams that I didn't care about, I would still love the job. I I just love broadcasting games. I've done plenty of things uh, involving teams that I'm not attached to, but I like this so much more. I love the week-long buildup, learning about the opponent, wondering what the Bengals are going to have to do to win the game that I want them to win, and then being there at the stadium with the energy of being in a live environment and seeing how it unfolds, and you never quite know what's going to happen. And when they pull out a thrilling victory like they did on opening day against the Vikings and that kick goes through, I mean, it's so exhilarating as a fan and as a broadcaster. For me, that's as good as it gets. Man, with that said, Ace also wanted me to ask you this. You know, we're talking about like your, your, you know, what, what drives you and what makes you want to do it. Give me your Bengals top five players of all time on the spot. No pre anything. I, I just came at Dan Hoare with this guys right on the spot. Top five <laughs> Bengals of all time. All right, Dave Lapham, for obvious reasons. I love working with him. He's one of my closest friends. He's one of the best people I've ever gotten to know in my life. So Dave Lapham, far and away number one. I'm with you on A.J. Green. I have so much love and respect for A.J. I'm happy he's doing well with Arizona. To me, it's 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 worked out perfectly. Perfect. The Bengals are fine without him, and he's doing great with the Cardinals. Right. That's exactly how I would have liked to see that play out. Anthony Munoz because I've never met anybody in any walk of life that I consider to be more impressive than Anthony Munoz as an athlete or as a person. So I will put him in my top five. Chad Johnson, I've got a a soft spot in my heart for Chad. When I was a sports anchor at Fox 19 in Cincinnati, we hired him to come into our studio every Sunday night. We called it Chad's Corner, and we kind of hopped aboard the Chad Johnson train before it really took off nationally. So we had this great relationship that continues to this day. Let's see. Number five. uh, Put me on the spot. I'll say Boomer Esiason. I love talking to Boomer any chance I have. I got to Cincinnati in 1996. So I was here for his second go-round his, his final NFL season when he had that magical run before retiring and getting into broadcasting. And even though the team didn't go to the playoffs that year, that was one of the coolest things I have ever covered in my life because Gunner was old enough to see his dad play. Thank heavens, you know, the advances in, in medicine have allowed Boomer or allowed Gunner rather to have a, a long life and hopefully many, many years to come. He's got a child and incredible. So uh, I had, that's my top five. That's a good top five. I, I can't argue with that at all. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, as we wrap this bad boy up, let me ask you this. With, with the Bengals where they're at currently right now, I've been telling people that, I don't know if you've seen this, I, I created this clothing line. This is before we even drafted Joe Burrow. It's called Burrow Babies. It's full of people uh, that know nothing about our past. And I, and that was the whole, you know, like anybody that was even born like 
prior to whatever, you know, your son and uh, and everybody that they don't remember all the bad stuff. We've been going on board and saying, if the Bengals go to the Super Bowl, and they got me to say this the other day. Now, I normally don't even talk like this, but if the Bengals go to the Super Bowl, I'm going to dye most of my hair orange. Because nice. currently right now, we have a campaign called A Whole Lot of Orange that I will be sending you some stuff to, you and your son, because it's very important for the culture. He needs this. All but right. On, on top of that, I need to know, what is Dan Hoare going to do if the Bengals go <laughs> to the Super Bowl? It, it, well, at any point, not even just this year, you have yeah. to be on board. We have to have a pack. We have to be all unified in this. We need something from you. Yeah, well, dyeing my hair orange is not much of an <laughs> offer. Not, not much of an offer on my side. And, I, I, and I'm not a tattoo guy, so I'm not going to get a tattoo. I don't know if, if you can come up with something else that you think would be sufficient, I will strongly consider it because if and when they make it to a Super Bowl, and I do believe that's going to happen in the Joe For Burrow sure. era, you're right. I should do something to publicly display my joy. We have to. It, it, I think that energy, that unification is what the Bengals community needs, and the Burrow babies are now counting on you. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to make sure that you know before you go is that there's a lovely restaurant. It's called Midwest Best Barbecue. It's in Loveland. I have coupons that I'm also going to send to you nice. when, I, when, I, when I send you these shirts or whatever. This is an amazing restaurant. I know you're good. On, you're big on food. I've seen I am. Some, I've seen some of your posts. Yeah, um, but I want to make sure that you get that and you contact those people and you walk right in the door. Go get you some brisket fries. Ooh. Go get you some ribs. Go get you some G Funk wings. It's some amazing stuff there. Sounds they send me good. food like all the time. I'm not in the area, but if I was, I would gladly walk you right into the front door. So that sounds good. Now, should I be throwing your name around when I walk in? You can do that, and I, I, they're they're going to show. You, hey, they'll roll out the red carpet once you do that. But you just walking in is Dan Horde. I'm yeah. pretty – the owner, Tim, is the biggest Bengals fan ever. So nice. once he sees you, I promise you All right. we're, we're going to get you to works. I'm going to well, put Tim, you – If Tim is watching, I promise you, Tim, I will make an appearance because I love my barbecue, and that sounds good. So I, I definitely want to check it out. Yes, sir. So that's coming. Um, the only other thing I have for you is do you have anything that you want to tell anybody, any Bengals fan, any pessimistic Bengals fan, anybody that, that is doubting the Bengals right now, on this on this run that we're on right now do you have any words of encouragement or anything that you just want to leave us with hey you're right we don't have to worry about the past we have joe burrow we have jamar chase the Bengals are going to go to a super bowl in the joe burrow era mark it down i'm not afraid of a freezing cold take i honestly believe in the bottom of my heart that this is going to happen and I am thrilled by the prospect of joining the legendary Phil Samp as the next Bengals announcer to have the opportunity to call a Super Bowl. Here we go. You heard it first, you guys. I appreciate you all joining us this evening. I'm sorry my guy Ace couldn't be with us, but we're going to make sure that we come back with something later on, possibly in the year. But we got to get you in touch with him as well, Mr. Hort. Um, Tell Sam we got some stuff we're sending uh, love what you do. Keep on rocking. Keep on doing everything that you've been doing. The people really appreciate you. I promise you from the bottom of my heart. This has been the Orange is the New Black podcast with Dan Horde this evening. Who day? Who day?